Welcome to Southside Presbyterian Church. The following sermon was taken from our Sunday gathering. If you'd like to find out more, or if we can help you on your journey in faith, head to our website, www.southsidepc.org, or visit us any Sunday morning at 9am. Ben's going to be uh, speaking to us in just a moment, and he's going to be reflecting on Matthew chapter 28, reading from verse 1. I'm going to read the first 10 verses for us. After the Sabbath, Sabbath, at dawn on the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went to look at the tomb. There was a violent earthquake, for an angel of the Lord came down from heaven and, going to the tomb, rolled back the stone and sat on it. His appearance was like lightning, as his clothes were white as snow. The guards were so afraid of him that they shook and became like dead men. The angel said to the women, Do not be afraid, for I know that you are looking for Jesus, who was crucified. He's not here. He has risen, just as he said. Come and see the place where he lay. Then go quickly. And tell his disciples, he has risen from the dead and is going ahead of you into Galilee. There you'll see him. Now I have told you. So the women hurried away from the tomb, afraid yet filled with joy. They ran to tell his disciples. Suddenly Jesus met them. Greetings, he said. They came to him, clasped at his feet and worshipped him. Then Jesus said to them, do not be afraid. Go tell my brothers, go to, to, to go to Galilee, there they will see me. Thanks. Awesome. We're going to dig into this passage together. Let's pray again though, and then uh, we'll hook into it. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we uh, thank you so much that we can join together uh, this morning. We pray that as we hear your word, um, that you would work in us and through us. We pray that you would transform us and change us and help us, Lord, to grasp what uh, the resurrection of Jesus means for us. We pray, Lord, that by the work of your Spirit, that we would be different people than the ones who walked in this morning. Um, Father, for those who need comforting, we pray that you would comfort us. For those who need challenging, we pray that you would challenge us. And we pray that you would do what we need this morning by your power. In Jesus' name, amen. This week, I won a really big competition And it was a really big deal. Uh, It's a big deal because I don't normally win the big prizes of competitions. Um, If you know me, you know I enter pretty much anything, any competition. I am the guy that will shamelessly tag all of my friends in every Instagram post to try and win something. I am the guy that will happily give away my data for the chance to win something. I figure they've already got it, at least this way, I have a small chance of winning something, and this week it finally happened. So here's the story. We were at uh, the Gold Coast, uh, Elizabeth and I, we went down to the beach, and uh, we went to Pacific Fair um, uh, to have some lunch first and then to go down. And as we were eating, we've got Like I said before, a toddler, she's not sitting through lunch, so she got restless legs and ran off, and so I chased Poppy as she ran away. And so we were looking for something to do, and we saw in the middle of Pacific Fair, there was an Air Asia promo. So I think here's something to do. We go down to uh, have a a look around, and we see there's this little hopscotch, and then you can win a hat. So we did the hopscotch, and then we won the hat. But as we were winning the hat, they said, hey, do you want to give us your details for a chance to win return tickets to Kuala Lumpur. 
So, of course, I'm, you know, grabbing my hat. Of course, I'm going to do that, right? I'll give my dart away for a chance for that. I've done a lot more for a lot less. So, of course, I'm going to do that. And so, I give my details to them. I walk away and pretty much forget about it. We went to the beach, and then when we came back out of the beach, I look at my phone, there's a missed call. I call back, and the lady from behind the counter was on the other side, and she said, congratulations, you've won two tickets to Kuala Lumpur. Now, you can imagine our excitement. This was good news, right? This is a big deal. We finally won the big prize. And so the celebration, I mean, we're all going wild. Poppy's screaming. She doesn't know what we've won, but she's happy, and we're all celebrating and it was good news. It was really good news for us. And then we talked about it. And within basically two minutes, we realized this is one of those moments where you get good news, but the reality of the good news means next to nothing for you. Because as we discussed this, we pretty much realized that we can't do anything with these tickets. We uh, have a small toddler. My living nightmare is taking her on an airplane. So that's not going to happen. We don't have passports. We're not in the season. We don't have the travel bug. And so we realize very quickly, this is good news. That means nothing for us. Now, you might have had a, a similar experience like this. I feel like at certain points in our life, we do get good news that means nothing for us. But the reason we, we bring this up today is because there is a potential that Easter Sunday can be like this. You know, we all have come this morning, and by this point of our service, we know what this is all about. The Easter Sunday is about the resurrection of Jesus. It's about the empty tomb. And so there's, there's kind of a sense that this is good news. But the question we want to think about this morning is, what is this good news? What does this good news genu uh, genuinely mean for us? What's the actual difference that the good news of the empty tomb makes for us? And, and not just like generally, like with God, but on a personal level, how does this change my life when I see that the tomb is empty? Well, this is what we're going to think about this morning. And so if you've got your Bibles there, we're going to have a look at Matthew chapter 28 as we look at this eyewitness account because Matthew records for us two things that it means for us. So let's have a look. We pick it up from verse 1 of chapter 28. It says this, After the Sabbath at dawn on the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went to look at the tomb. There was a violent earthquake for the angel of the Lord came down from heaven and going to the tomb rolled back the stone and sat on it. His appearance was like lightning, and his clothes were as white as snow. The guards were so afraid of him that they shook and became like dead men. The angel said to the women, Do not be afraid, for I know that you are looking for Jesus who was crucified. He is not here. He has risen just as he said. Come and see the place where he lay. Then go quickly and tell his disciples he is risen from the dead and is going ahead of you into Galilee. There you will see him. Now I have told you. So what does the good news of the empty tomb mean for us? Well, we're going to see two things. And the first is come and see. This is what we see, a personal invitation to have a look at the resurrection of Jesus. Now, we've got to dig into this passage. We see it here. There's two Marys going to the tomb, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary. And it's clear they're expecting to see the grave of Jesus, right? They, they watched Jesus die on the Friday. They're expecting that Jesus would be dead on the Sunday. And so they're coming to visit him. But as they come to visit the grave of Jesus, what they see is very different to their expectations. They see a guard fainted on the ground, the stone rolled away, and the angel sitting on that stone. That's what they see. 
Now, now I, I don't know if you can picture that moment, but that's a pretty surreal moment. There'd be a bit going on in your head if you saw all of that unfold when you were expecting to see the gravesite of Jesus. That They see the guard on the ground. Now, the story of the guard is interesting because you get this just before this passage and then in, in the section between what we're looking at today. But the guard were paid by the Jewish leaders to essentially stop disciples stealing the body. And it's fascinating because when you look at the guard, what they show us is that when humans come up against God, you will always look foolish. So before the the resurrection, they they pay a guard and they put a stone in front to stop the disciples stealing the body. After the resurrection, they pay the guard to say that the disciples did come in and steal the body. And during the resurrection, here they are fainted on the ground. The guard is showing us humans coming against God, you will always look like a fool. And so Mary and the two Marys, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary, come and they see this. They see the guard on the ground and the angel sitting on the stone and the stone rolled away. Now, if you're one of those two Marys, what are you feeling or thinking in that moment? I think there's a lot going on in this moment. You know, I don't know what's going through my head. I think I'm a bit confused. I think there's a bit going on. You know, you thought Jesus was dead. Has someone stolen the body? All of those things are running through your mind. But the angel speaks to Mary and the other Mary. And says, don't be afraid, he is not here, he has risen just as he said. Now, you can see what the angel is saying there, right? He's saying, guys, do you remember Jesus said this would happen? You remember Jesus said he would die and then rise from the dead. Jesus said things like, he's the way, the truth, and the life. This is proving all that. He said all this stuff would happen, and now it actually has. Don't be afraid. But then we get to this next personal invitation. And it's in the very next bit of verse 6. And have a look at it, because there's a chance that we might have missed it before. So the angel says, He is not here. He has risen, just as he said. But then look at these words. Come and see the place where he lay. Now, I know that might not sound significant. And chances are you've read this a thousand times and not, not caught those words. But let's just slow down and think about that for a moment. Come and see the place where he lay. The angel is inviting them to come into the tomb and have a look around. Now, why is that? Why is the angel giving them this invitation? You know, you think about the whole scene that's just taken place. Like the whole thing, wouldn't anything be enough? I mean, this is an angel speaking. Isn't the angel sitting on a rock enough for them? Right? Like this is an angel sitting on a rock, dazzling clothes. Why isn't that enough? Or what about the guard on the ground moved away? Why isn't that enough for them to just believe that there's an empty tomb? Or the stone rolled away? Why isn't that enough? Or when you put it all together, what about the fact that Jesus said this would happen? Isn't that enough? You think about any of those things. Why isn't that enough? Well, it's because, one of the reasons, it's because God is inviting them to personally see this. Come and see the empty tomb. He's saying, look at the evidence. Come into the tomb. Feel the place where Jesus' body lay. Feel the cloths in your hands. Smell the fact that this tomb is no longer a smell of decay. Hear the sound of your voice echoing in the empty tomb. Come and see for yourself. It's so good. It's such a beautiful invitation. And at the heart of it, what we're seeing here is is, is one thing that we're seeing here is the very fact that the living God wants people to come and see for themselves. You you see, people sometimes, I don't know if you've ever had this before, but sometimes people will say that Christianity uh, is just people who are Christians just have a blind faith. Have you ever had that? When you're talking about what you believe or, or maybe if you've gone to church and people say Christians, all they have is a blind faith. 
what they're saying in that moment is they're saying that for some Christians, all they've done is just, they've just received what they've heard and they've never looked into the evidence. They've never asked questions. They've never explored their doubts. They've never tested it. Now, it is possible that for some people that we do have blind faith. For some people, they, you know, maybe that's all. We've just received the message of Jesus and we've never looked into it for ourselves. But what I love about this passage is from the very beginning, God is inviting you to test it, to see it. You see, these two Marys, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary, they're told, they're invited, come and look at the evidence for yourself. But of course, today, as we're thinking about it, this is what we're invited to as well. Now, now we don't get to look at a tomb. We don't get to look around. We don't get to feel the cloths and smell the empty tomb and hear the sound of the, 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 the emptiness. We don't get to do that. But we are still invited to actively come and see. We're invited to look at the evidence. You see, when we're talking about Jesus rising from the dead, I love that the way that God has revealed himself is not just in a dream or a vision. He's revealed himself in history. You know, it's so good because history, there's evidence, there's historical evidence. And so this morning, I think what God is inviting us to is to come and see the evidence. Because if you have a look for yourself, I think you'll find it's quite compelling. Now, I'd love to tell you a couple of stories about how compelling it is. Uh, I've told this first one before. It's by a guy called Lee Strobel. He's uh, an author. He's written a bunch of books. But before he wrote any books, he was an investigative journalist. So paid to investigate stuff. And his story is great. Uh, Lee Strobel was a guy who was an agnostic. So that means he, uh, sorry, he was an atheist. He didn't believe in God, but his wife was an agnostic. So that means she believed in God, but not sure what that God was. And Lee Strobel has this story that he got home one day and his wife was telling him uh, the worst news he's ever heard before she became a Christian. And so what he did was he wanted to prove her wrong. Now, I'm not sure if that's the best marriage advice, but this is a good story and I'm glad that he did that. And so what he wanted to do was he wanted to prove that the resurrection was wrong. And so he looked into it. He investigated it. And, and he, he explored the evidence for himself. And so he looked at things like the eyewitness accounts. He looked at things like uh, the evidence inside and outside of the Bible. He looked at things like the transformation of the disciples, that these guys were cowards and then they would go on and die for their faith. He looked at all of the evidence and then he had this conclusion to when he looked at the evidence. It's on the screen there. He said this, In the end, after I had thoroughly investigated the matter, I reached an unexpected conclusion. It would actually take more faith to maintain my atheism than become a follower of Jesus. This is what happens when you look at the evidence. Lee Strobel came and saw the evidence. He was compelled by it and started to follow Jesus. It's such an awesome story. But what I love about Lee Strobel's story is, is this type of thing doesn't just happen with authors and people who've written books. This happens here in our church. You know, here at Southside, over the last 12 months, we've uh, seen five people become Christians. And two of them, particularly, became Christians in the Alpha Course, where we do this moment where we look at the evidence of the resurrection of Jesus. So here at Southside, we run a Christianity course. If you've ever wanted to explore Jesus, it's the perfect place to come and ask your questions. No question is out of limits. There's not a bad question. We, we explore this. We sit down. We wrestle with the truth of Jesus, the claims of Jesus. But there's a moment where we get to wrestling with the evidence of the resurrection. And for two different people in the last 12 months, across two different courses, this was the moment for them where the penny dropped. They explored the evidence of the resurrection 
And when they saw it for themselves, they found it compelling and became Christians. It's the best thing ever. Now, what I love about this is this is what God was inviting us to in the very beginning. He was inviting us to actually personally look into it for ourselves. So when we think about Easter Sunday and the empty tomb, the first thing it's actually meant to mean for us is that we are active in coming and seeing for ourselves. So if you're here today and you're not sure about Jesus, maybe you've got questions about Jesus, maybe you know, there's certain things that you've never actually explored. If, you, if that's you here today, the, the invitation from the living God is come and see for yourself. You know, maybe come to our next Alpha course. That's a moment where you can ask all of these different questions. It's not that far away. It's on Sunday afternoon on the 7th of May is when we're kicking that off. But come and see for yourself. You see, I am and many of us are deeply convinced that the resurrection of Jesus is the best thing ever and it will transform your life. But don't take our word for it. Test it. See for yourself. Come and explore this type of thing. If you're not sure about Jesus, come and see for yourself. But this is also true for you if you are sure about Jesus. So if you're here today and you're an adult, let's start with you. If you're a follower of Jesus, and maybe you have been for a long time, and you're not sure what the evidence is about the resurrection, let me invite you, come and see for yourself. It's so encouraging when you begin to look at the historical evidence of the fact that Jesus is alive. It's, it's a beautiful thing to do. So Lee Strobel's written a couple of books. If you want to read, if you're a reader, uh, Case for Christ is a good place to start. Um, but if you want to come along to Alpha, even if you are a Christian and explore this stuff for yourself, come and see for yourself. It's such a great experience to do that. If you're an adult and you want to do that. But, but let me also just say this to the kids. Okay, so if you're a kid or a youth here this morning, maybe you've been coloring for a little bit. I just want to say, look up at me for a moment. Okay, kids, where are you? Look at me. I want to see some eyes. It's good. Okay, kids, if you're here this morning, I want you to see the living God's invitation to you. At some point in your life, you need to test this for yourself. At some point in your life, you need to be convinced of the resurrection of Jesus for yourself. Your parents might be, okay, as you came here this morning. Maybe your parents are convinced of the resurrection. Maybe you've never thought about it before. But at some point, you need to ask questions. So maybe today the application for you is, on the way home, ask your parents, what's the evidence of the resurrection? Explore that together. If they say they don't know, that's totally fine. You can explore this stuff together. You can read some books together. You can explore this. You can ask me. I'd love to talk to you about it after the service. But the reality is for all of us, kids, youth, adults, sure about Jesus, not sure about Jesus, when we see the claims of an empty tomb, the living God is inviting us to personally, actively look into it for ourselves. Mary Magdalene and the other Mary, they were invited to that. Come and see. Don't just take my word for it, the angel said. Look for yourself. So when we're thinking about the resurrection of Jesus, here's the first action point, the first active thing we've got to do. Come and see. But the second, we keep reading, we, we see the second one is go and speak. And we see this as we keep going. So from verse 7, we saw this before in the Bible reading, the women are told to tell the disciples about this. In verse 11 to 15, you get the guards' report, but then we're going to pick it up in verse 16 to see the difference it's meant to make in our lives. It says this, Then the eleven disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. When they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. Uh, let's just stop on that for a moment. The disciples who see Jesus in front of them still have doubts. You know, all of us in this room have questions. It's okay to have questions. No Christian knows everything about everything. It's all right to have doubts and questions. 
explore those together. Let's explore them together. But let's keep reading. Verse 18. Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority on heaven, on, uh, uh, in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. The second action point for us, we see this here, don't we? The second action point is to go and speak. Come and see and then go and speak. Now, there is a lot that we could unpack in those verses there. There is a lot. But the one thing we're going to focus on is that action point to go and speak. The disciples here are invited to. They're invited to. As you see the risen Jesus, go and tell everyone about the risen Jesus. This is the best thing ever. Go and tell people it's the best thing ever. Now, we know what the disciples do with this. They go and speak. You know, the book of Acts is all about how the disciples go and tell the world about Jesus. But, of course, the question for us here this morning is not just what did the disciples do, it's what will we do with this? As you come and see the empty tomb, will you go and speak? That's the challenge for us this morning. Will we tell people about Jesus? Now, I know when, when talking about mission and speaking about Jesus... I know that at times it can feel like a burden. You know, I don't know what thoughts come to your mind as we're talking about mission this morning. You know, sometimes it can just feel like, oh, okay, we're, we're talking about that again. And at times it can feel like we don't know what to do. Maybe we're crippled by the, the lack of knowing what the next step is with our friends. Maybe we're not sure about that. Maybe we're just in a season of life where we're surviving. You know, where we're just holding on and the idea of mission it just sometimes feels like this extra burden in our life. I'm not just saying this. I, I get that. And I feel that deep in my bones. Sometimes it feels like that. So as we think about mission this morning, let's make sure that we're holding it in light of what Easter is all about. Okay, Easter is the story how the living God died on a cross so that you could have life. This is the story of the death and resurrection of Jesus. And Easter, I mean, we just heard it read there. Easter is the story about how the living God, Jesus, is always with you. Okay, so if we're thinking about doing anything, let's hold it in the, the beauty of the fact that our God has rescued us and loves us and is with us. But from there, let's see that he is inviting us to speak about Jesus. And more than that, he's inviting us to make a difference in people's lives. So one of the ways that I think is encouraging here when we're thinking about mission stuff and telling people about Jesus is to think about or to consider the impact that we can have if we tell people about Jesus. So for a moment, we're going to have this uh, thought exercise, okay? Think about this. I want you to think about who in your life told you about Jesus, right? So all of us this morning, um, someone has told us about Jesus, you know? Like if we're here, even if we're not sure about Jesus, someone has told us about Jesus, I want you to think about who that person was. You know, was it a parent? Was it a friend? Was it a colleague? Was it a neighbor? Was it someone who invited you to something and, and you know, at, a, at an event they told you about Jesus? Who told you about Jesus? Think of that person for a moment, okay? Picture them. Have you got them in your head? Who told you about Jesus? Okay, now let's think about this. I want to ask you an obvious question here, but what if they didn't? Now, don't overthink this. What if the people who told you about Jesus didn't tell you about Jesus? There is a reality for me. If I wasn't told about Jesus, I wouldn't know Jesus. 
And when I begin to consider that, I don't know where I would be without Jesus. My life would be very different. I don't want to think about the pain that I would have caused or the pain that I would be in. My life would be radically transformed if the people in my life didn't tell me about Jesus. Do you feel that? Do you see that? If the people in your life didn't tell you about Jesus, where would you be? But thank God that they did. Right? Thank God that they told you about Jesus and they showed you Jesus. You're here today because they didn't just come and see the empty tomb, they spoke about it. Now here's the power of this passage. God is inviting you to make that difference in someone else's life. You know, we can't look into the future. We don't know where we'll be in five years' time. But the hope and prayer and the power is when we consider what if in five years' time there were people in this room, if we did the same exercise, they thought of us. You know, like, how good would that be? If they thought of us, if they thought of me as an individual or you as an individual, how good would that be if in five years' time someone could think of us making that difference in their life? Well, how do we get there? We've got to speak about Jesus. Now again, this isn't driven by guilt. This is driven by the living God who died and rose again and is always with you and working for you. This is driven by the fact that God wants all people everywhere to know about him. And it's beautiful and it's awesome and it's encouraging. But this is the difference that it's got to make for us. You see, when we think about the empty tomb, when we think about the risen Jesus, it's not just a passive thing to receive. It's not just something that we're just passive, we go passive with, we do nothing with. No, the two things that Matthew wants us to do is, number one, come and actively see it, look into it. And then number two, to go and speak about it. So here's what we're going to do this morning. We're going to take this first step together. We're going to take the first step to come and see together. So this is what we were talking about with the Lord's Supper before. The Lord's Supper is a moment where we're actively receiving what the living God has done for us at the cross. You know, as, as Ross spoke about before, it's a moment where we're owning our sin and we're repenting of it. We're turning to Jesus and we're celebrating the fact that the living God died for me and rose again and has established a relationship with me. It's the beauty of what God has done, but it is an active step and, and we are taking that step to come and see. So this morning, we're going to do the Lord's Supper together. We're going to take that first step together. And so what we're going to do is, you can see the tables at the front, we're going to invite you in a moment, if you're a follower of Jesus, if you believe in Jesus for the forgiveness of your sins, come and take this bread. We're going to do that in a moment. But if you're not sure about Jesus, just watch. Just watch what happens. Just take this moment. You can reflect on whether this is true or not for yourself, but it's okay. There's no judgment in this room. We're not looking around this room to see who's taken it and who's not as if it's some sort of judgment thing upon you. It's totally fine. This is an individual response to Jesus that we're going to do as a church family. And then the, the, the next thing too, to just remind you, if your kids or if your parents are kids, if you haven't had the conversation with them, just wait till next time. We'll do it again soon and we can do it again once you've had that chat with them. So if you're a follower of Jesus, if you want to come and see the risen Lord Jesus and the death and what he's done for us, then I'm going to invite you to come down the front and take some bread and juice and then hold that bread and juice and we'll eat together. One more thing, if someone around you can't make their way to the front, would you ask them if you can help them out and grab them some bread and juice? If there's someone around you that you can serve in that way, please do that. 
Let's do this. Let's come and grab the bread and juice and we'll eat together in a moment. On the night before Jesus died, as he was betrayed, they had one last supper and Jesus held up the bread and he said, when you eat of this, this is my body broken for you. Eat of this bread in remembrance of me. As we eat this bread, let's remember the living God died for us on the cross. Jesus then held up the cup and he said, this is the cup of the new covenant in my blood. When you gather, drink this in remembrance of me. We drink the juice remembering the relationship that our God has established with us. So let's celebrate the relationship we have with God. This is the first step. Come and see. The next one, go and speak. That's up to us as we leave today. Let's pray for God's help for this. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for the empty tomb. We thank you that this is not something just to passively receive, but something you invite us to be active in. We thank you, Jesus, for your death and resurrection. We thank you that this is how we have life. We thank you for the promise that you gave the disciples. All authority has been given to me. So go to all nations and behold, I'm with you always. God, as we leave this room today, thank you that you're with us right there. Give us the wisdom, the courage, the boldness to live a life that points people to the living Lord Jesus. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.